Welcome to Context with Advanced Design. Context is a podcast where laid-back conversations on design, life, and everything in between happen. In this show, we interview experts in our field, but also students, educators, and anyone who's a part of the industrial design family. Thank you for tuning in. For today's episode, we welcome two leaders behind the Adidas Seed program. Thank you, Liz Connolly and Sharice Thornhill for being here with us. A bit about Liz, her career has been focused on identifying high, high potential talent from non-traditional pipelines and designing programs, processes, and experiences to help that talent reach their full potential. She began her career innovating recruitment and talent development strategies in small business within both the sports and food industries. She joined Adidas in 2016 as a part of the talent acquisition organization. And in 2019, Liz co-founded Adidas Seed School for Experiential Education and Design and moved to Brooklyn to launch the program. I also would like to say hello to Sharice, who's here with us today. She's been in footwear industry for over 13 years. She began her career at Nike in Beaverton, Oregon, where she uh, was a footwear designer for 10 years before moving back to her hometown of Miami, Florida to teach design at the high school and college levels. In January 2020, Sharice made the move to Brooklyn, New York to lead the Adidas Seed program as a design director. And she is now part of the team that transforming the footwear industry and cultivating the next generation of diverse design talent. So thank you, Liz and Sharice, for being here. We are super excited to have you. Awesome. Thanks for having us, Hector. Yeah, thanks for having us. So we are, uh, I mean, this is going to be extremely like fresh conversation because, you know, it is February 1st. So happy year of the tiger. And um, by the time our audience listens to this, it will be a week later. So we're very excited because we are in the cusp of your seed program that's a, that's launching kind of about to start i think applications and in a couple of weeks right yep february 13th fantastic and for those who are listening um let's kind of just start from the beginning and talk about everyone knows who adidas is but let's talk about seed and what it is and uh why did why did, why did both of you and and a team of other leaders started this program yeah, I, I guess I'll take it um, uh, at first and kick it over to Sharice in a second. But, um, you know, it was, it was uh, 2016, I joined Adidas in recruitment, I think, um, 2017 or 18, like the end of 2017, 2018 is when um, Adidas actually started to build out like a, a university talent um, acquisition team globally. And they hired a woman by the name of Jessica Smith um, to lead that organization. Um, and I was her first hire and got to help pilot uh, what we did for recruitment for all of the internships that we had at Adidas. And then also like how we built out the program structure to support that talent. And in doing so, I mean, I'll tell you, first of all, I, I give Jessica the biggest shout out. So she's a co-founder of Seed. Um, she is really the the brains behind um, how this all came to be. She's actually um, finishing up her PhD that's at the intersection of industry and higher education. So she's an expert, absolutely, at innovation within the education space um, as it as it relates to being within an industry. Um, when I met Jessica, she, she looked at me and she said, man, like I came to Adidas because I think this is one 
one of those brands that might actually say yes to doing things different to really make a change. Um, and, and she had ambition to build a school within the, the industry model. And so I, I got really excited and I was like, man, like my whole mission is to change the world. And I think the, the lane I want to do it through is education. I, I had dropped out of college. Schools never really felt like they supported me. So I have a, a huge love of learning um, and a huge ambition to help create more lanes where people um, feel like the places where we're supposed to learn actually support them. And I think when I got to Adidas, especially, and I started recruiting within within design, like you talk to leaders, you uh, doing research just across the industry, working with partners like Dwayne Edwards over at Pencil. It's like everybody's saying the same thing. We want we want talent that thinks outside the box, does things differently, goes against the grain, um, comes from diverse backgrounds. Like everybody could say that like the value of a creative is like different, being different, having different experiences, being able to connect really well to the consumer. But when you look across the industry at um, design roles, it, it's really homogenous when you look at the talent um, in, in a lot of different layers, um, definitely ethnically um, through race, gender. Um, but I would also say like the background and experiences that designers shared looked very similar. And I, I was tasked to go out and recruit for interns. And when asked, you know, we got the same thing. We want these people who are going, um, like doing things different, going all out creatively. Um, but then the requirement was that they had to go to a top 10 art school because that's where we were saying the, the only place you could get education to prepare you well enough for the internship even, um, would be and and the demographics at those top 10 art schools are super super homogenous predominantly white um and male in the product design space so when we're looking at uh qualifiers for footwear roles that's what we saw and you know it was in talking with jessica she's like you know if we're gonna wait on higher education we're gonna be we're gonna be waiting um we don't want to do that we wanted to make change right away and so we were actually able i remember in that role we we brought in i think 100 percent diverse talent so um women and and bipoc women into the design organization through internships. Um, that was a task, but it was amazing. We, we increased diversity across the entire organization through internships by like, I think over 35% in every single function. Um, so we did a really good job, but we wanted, we knew that there was a lot of creators who were left out and we wanted to create a lane and a new pathway for them. So we thought, okay, how can we go about this completely different? And that's when the idea came while I was out recruiting in Brooklyn and I went and visited this, this space that Adidas owns called the Brooklyn Creator Farm. And I met the leaders there, Dennis Dekovic, Mark Dolce, Mark Minor. And I was like, man, y'all are doing things different out here. And the farm really existed to be a, a incubator of current talent that we had in-house at Adidas. So people from all over the world would come work for three months at the farm. And then the, the goal was to uh, build new ways of thinking and working. And then those people would return to their home office in either Portland or Germany or Reebok in Boston at the time. Um, and hopefully pollinate the rest of the company with what they learned. And I was like, man, this model is amazing. This space, um, Hector, you've gotten to see it. Like it is, it amazing. is beautiful. It is kind of designer Disneyland. Mm -hmm. People will reference it as, and I was <laughs> like, the school exists. We just need to flip the model to face external talent. And mm -hmm. again, I, I mentioned when we, when we took a pulse check on the, on the demographics of the people, the designers um, across the industry. We were working with Dwayne, and I can remember sitting I, and having this conversation, but we 
we looked across every single brand and there were less than 10 black women in footwear design roles across the entire industry. Now you pull up the consumer demographics and who we're marketing to and who's buying our product. And um, it's just just disproportionate um, for who's creating it to who's buying it. And so it was an easy problem statement for us. We knew there was a need, um, but just by feeling right. But then like we had the facts in front of us and we're like, that's easy. So we wanted to build a, a world class educational model that was industry operated um, that removed barriers to the education. And we wanted to reserve it for BIPOC women to ensure that we're also um, fulfilling like the entire industry um, through the vehicle of Adidas, but um, the entire industry with with more BIPOC women in the footwear design field. And then bam, I get super excited, get a text message. Liz, you got to meet this woman, Cherise. She's in Portland right now. You're in Portland right now. And I'm like, who's Charisse? And I'm walking down the hall as I get this text and I look up and there's someone else looking at their phone who looks up and I was like, you don't happen to be Charisse, do you? And she's like, are you Liz? And I'm like, yep. And I was like, I was like, dang. And you know, I have to say like, it was like that moment right away. I was like, here's okay. You have my number. Um, call me later and we got to talk. And, um, I spent the next few months trying to slowly coax Charisse over it. it it wasn't a tough sell, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, definitely not a tough yeah. sell. Um, I love sitting and listening to, to Liz tell that story every time because I, I get goosebumps every time. I think it's um, it's amazing to think about one person being on their own journey and their own path and someone else or two other people or a group of people being on a similar journey. And there's a point where both mm-hmm. collide. You know, I was listening to Liz talk about that story and I was going on my own journey. You know, I started off my career at Nike as an intern in 2006, back when there was no Instagram or YouTube. Facebook was pretty new. (laughs) You know, Facebook user just kind of dipping my toe in the social media pool. Um, But it was a different world. And, you know, I started my career at Nike and I was the second black female footwear designer in the company's history. That just is to tell you the environment that I was walking into that I think I wasn't prepared for um, at all, you know, from a college perspective. And, um, you know, throughout my entire career there, I learned a lot, had a lot of great mentors, but I did often look around and think about where are all my my counterparts, you know, the the women from and and men from my neighborhood and my community who also want to be in this space. Where are they? You know, and starting to think back about, you know, when I was in high school, I went to design high school in South Florida, design and architecture, senior high and a very diverse school. You know, I was in an industrial design class with, you know, other black and brown, you know, um, students who had the same aspirations I did. And by the time I left college, you know, they were they were all gone, you know, so we definitely know that um, due to exposure, access, cost of education, that a lot of potential amazing creators are being left behind, you know, and they are not getting the experiences. They don't have the network, the connections, or even the, to the focus to know, Hey, I should really be focusing on these things to be able to get to where I want to be. Um, and I saw that throughout my, my career at Nike. And I really did feel like I need to be in that space. Um, my time at Nike, I really spent a lot of it really going out and talking to kids. We did a bunch of workshops at local schools in, in the Beaverton and Portland area. Um, and there were other designers who also felt the same things that I felt. And we were all trying to figure out how to do it from the seats we were in, right? But when you're in a corporation 
um, one that is very censored, you're not able to really go out and speak openly. And, and I started to struggle with that um, towards the end of my career at, at Nike. And I, I decided to leave and resign and go back to South Florida and teach because I felt like I had gain a, a ton of knowledge at that point that I wanted to share and pass along. And so, you know, when Liz talks about, you know, the day that we met, I was on that journey myself trying to figure out what my future was going to look like, what was my next, you know, career journey. I'd start to piecemeal things together. I knew I wanted to teach and mentor. And I also wanted to design, but those things never coexisted together until seed, you know, so Seed is just as powerful for me in terms of my own growth and journey as it is for the students that are coming in. And I know that there are a lot of other designers in our industry who want to do the same thing, right? They want to also teach and mentor and still design and not have to divorce both of those um, to be able to move forward. So Seed is very amazing. I, I really hope that we inspire other brands to do the same thing and to create pathways for um, for designers to get into our industry and for their own talent to remain in the organization and not have to leave because they're not able to truly impact, you know, communities like mm -hmm. they really want to. Yeah. Um, Liz talked about, you know, going against the grain, and that's something I think that uh, it's pretty obvious that that's part of our DNA with the positions that we're in right now um education is a beautiful thing that has done wonders for many people but has also failed a lot of people um and um it's a pretty exclusive club you either have a lot of money to go or you don't or you have to borrow money to go and then you it's funny how that works you have to borrow money to go get a job to pay for the loan that you paid to go to school right so exactly that doesn't make sense for me right that for me sounds like just backward it's it's quite a mess and for a really long time um i don't know 60 80 years that's what education was and no one questioned it until just recently maybe in the last decade or two decades you have amazing designers and leaders such as you know Dwayne Edwards who started pencil um and then you know now you know, you and your group at Adidas started the seed program. Um, and there's other people who are now creating organizations and options for, hey, you can get education and you don't have to um, get, you know, $100,000 in debt and, and still learn and compete and be ready for industry. Um, you know, and the seed program is, is amazing. And I think it's... Uh, it's amazing it's coming from a really big organization like Adidas, right? Um, and you have the backing of, of someone like Dwayne Edwards. And so it's 2022. Um, pandemic is still kind of raging and COVID is happening. And uh, one thing that I've noticed is that traditional academia hasn't really adapted. They're still kind of business as usual. Um, and then you have the seed program and then, you know, things that I'm doing and then you have pencil, they just opened up like this new thing in Detroit, which is like amazing. Why is it there are two lanes of education happening? One where people are just like, this is how it's always been. And then we have the innovators who are like, let's adapt and let's, let's, let's be versatile to the times, to the changing culture yeah. and things that are happening. I mean, I think, I think from my lens, like, 
well, and why we even created seed in the first place is like the the systems that our world operates on in the United States, especially, um, they're so flawed. They the systems were all built to oppress and keep people out of them. Um, it wasn't about like bringing in people. It wasn't about creating access. It wasn't about inclusivity. It was the opposite of that. And so when you look at like our nations, um, especially higher education model, um, but I would say all of education, like it's built within the frameworks of those systems. Like it's built to support some people more than others. Right. So when you look at like, where, where can you go? At least for us, it was like, we can try and do something similar and then edit it a little, but we'd be, we'd be operating in the exact same systems that don't, don't service the people we want to service. Right. Like it, it'd be creating another obstacle actually. Um, so we said, how can we actually look and build a model that go, goes against everything else we knew? We tried to think as, as opposite as we could. I mean, we pay our students to go to school. We, tr- we provide housing stipends for them to help support. Um, we guarantee them a job upon graduation, which I don't don't think any other model does. Um, we give them full-time health benefits while attending. Um, and everything that we work on actually goes out for sale. Um, so it's like you're an employee. So you actually learn by doing hence our name school for experiential education and design. So I I mentioned that because I think like, you know, there's, there's two avenues and, um, Sharice always brings it up. I have a bunch of bridges tattooed all over me. I I love bridges. I I consider myself to be a bridge. Um, I love to connect people to opportunities, people to people, all of the things, right? And I think that our hope is also that in creating a system so different in this lane, um, potentially we can actually be a bridge to higher education. Um, And and I think that you're starting to see other models that, that are coming up in the middle of those two lanes. It's just, at least for us, like why we went so different And I think why we chose to do things like paying students and offering some of that support, guaranteeing a job was like, man, you're these systems and and the people in the systems and our parents and our grandparents and even ourselves and like how it's all socialized is like, stay the course, do this, go to school, get get a high paying job, like keep your head down, stay in that lane and you will be great. No one, no one is like really saying, Hey, if that system doesn't fit you or you don't fit it, or you're struggling, no one says you can do something different. They say, well, fix yourself. Um, but they're telling, especially underrepresented communities, fix yourself in a system that's built against you. Um, so it's like, I think for us, it's like, we had to try and think of how do you create enough trust, um, and equity, especially for people to even say, yeah, I can take that risk. I can go and join that program and try it. And that's why we built things the way we did, um, is trying to remove those, those barriers to the access, but also remove some of the like fear, um, and risk, I think of like, you know, if you want to go to an alternative college, that doesn't guarantee you a job or doesn't pay you while you're going. Like there's so many different factors that you're probably having to deal with and sacrifice, like outside of even just loans, um, which are standard. And so I, I think that that's part of the separation. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'll, I'll build on to, to that as well. When we look at the curriculum and the things that we teach, it's half design and half leadership. 
and um, and leadership are are the the soft skills um, and the planning and the entrepreneurship that I think is missing from a lot of traditional design mm-hmm. um, education curriculums. You know, when I got into the industry, I had all the technical skills, right? Like I can draw a straight line without a ruler. You know, I was able to build models in Rhino. It was all of those technical skills that when I really got into it, I learned it's changing and moving so quickly. No one's using Rhino, right? Mm-hmm. Though I spent all that time learning it. And it was the other things I needed to learn. Networking, presentation skills, identity. Who am I? Right. Mm-hmm. And how do I communicate that to other people? If I haven't done that internal work for myself, I'm going to get into a space and I'm going to think that I can't be me. I have to be that person. Right. This this archetype, this this designer that wears a black turtleneck (laughs) every day. (laughs) Right. I'm going to try to shift myself into that image because I don't see myself in this space and I don't think that I'm valued in this space. Right. And so we do tons of work like that around with our students. Right. We we help them to identify who they are. We're not telling them who they are, who they need to be. That's their job, but we're giving them the tools um, to really bring that to life and be able to communicate that to other people. Building on to, Mm -hmm. do you want to add to that, Hector? I was just going to add, I love that. I love that um, you're not just teaching the technical skills needed to compete, but you're also building leaders and you're um, showing them how to have empathy and compassion for what they're doing and, and, yeah. and learning about business and entrepreneurship. And because you go into industry at one point, the expectation is that you're not always going to be designing until you die. At one yeah. point you'll, you're going to be, you're going to take the mantle and lead and inspire exactly. other people and be able to tell powerful stories. Right. Exactly. And we don't, we don't teach that in traditional yeah. academia. And that's wonderful that you're able to offer that. Um, that's so valuable, especially right now. And that's the beauty of being inside of an organization that's already Mm -hmm. established, right? We see real time what the business units and the brand are looking for and what they need and also what the gaps are. And we're so nimble that we can shift, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we, we will have a curriculum plan, which was what happened in 2020. We had a full plan laid out um, in person. And then the pandemic came, we had to shift and go to a virtual model. We were also getting insights into what the BUs needed, where their shifts are, you know, and then we can adjust. We can say, we're not going to do this. We're going to do this because the BUs are saying they need that or they have gaps in their own team and they don't have people that have this particular skill set. Okay, let's build that into seed. So that's the beauty of the space that we're in and the power of, of um, collaboration and being able to shift. And, you know, I don't think universities have that autonomy, you know, or can move that quickly. You know, <laughs> they're yeah. rinsed and repeating every year, wow. you know. Um, so that's what's so beautiful, beautiful about what we're doing. Yeah, I think another thing that universities really lack is also the talent, right? And it's this is just a kind of unfortunate because a lot of these universities were founded you know, decades ago. And I don't think they understood that location was going to be a factor into recruiting talent and, and making sure that um, they didn't discriminate. Not everyone can travel to the middle of nowhere in Texas or Illinois or whatever. Um, And then if you're in the middle of nowhere, that means that the talent pool for educators is going to be mediocre because 
how, how do you convince a young designer to leave a cultural hub, let's say like a big city like New York to move into like, I don't know, Utah or Wyoming or wherever this design school's at. Um, so not every school is close or nearby to a big city that, that, um, has culture, has identity, has inspiration that we can all gather as designers from what's happening around us and inspire us to design. So yeah, there's a lot of things that, that are happening in education um, that uh, love what you're all doing with Seed. I think it's amazing. Um, you know, with your background as designers and recruiters and and now you're going into education, um, did you feel like you were ready for this role of being an educator and being someone that the students can look up to? Or did you ever like question that or you were just like, I'm ready. I'm a thousand percent ready. <laughs> Liz has a beautiful story about how she got to New York when no one knew. <laughs> Let's hear it. You know what? Um, this is, I think seed and, and I'm, I'm, and I tell Jessica and, and Liz all the time that they should start writing the book about this program and how they even brought this to life in an organization because we're absolutely a startup. You well, know, you we're a startup to... within yeah. a brand and, you know, we're facing all the same challenges that normal mm -hmm. startups do, right? Gaining support every year, funding, yeah. um, you know, infrastructure, you know, headcount, support resources, all of those things. Yeah. And, you know, who keeps the lights on? <laughs> it's it's the, the founders, you know, the people who are on the ground level doing all of the jobs, you know, and for us, that's, that's what we've been doing. You know, we've gotten a lot of support, um, but there's a lot of the day-to-day -day things that we've just had to roll our sleeves up and say, Hey, we know why we're here. Liz left, you know, a full-time job to take a contracting role <laughs> to lead the program and left a city she was comfortable with. I did the same and, and Jessica's made sacrifices as well, but I think we know our why. Right. We knew it wasn't going to be a bed of roses when we wanted to do this, but we were very much motivated by the lives and the people we we're going to be able to touch and help propel into spaces they would have never gotten into otherwise. You know, when we look at our Gen 1 students and the ones that are currently in their full time roles across the country and now have moved <laughs> to their new jobs and the things that they're doing. Um, it's amazing. It makes it all really worth it. Um, I never questioned myself because I was always very clear on why I'm doing this. Right. None of us are perfect. There's opportunities to grow. And, you know, I'm constantly thinking about how can I get better for for our students? But I think when you're very clear on your why, you don't have time to question, mm -hmm. are you ready or not? You just got to go. <laughs> you know, like the time is now. There's no room to, yeah. to sit and like, am I ready? You know, at least at least for me, um, seeing Sharice and in, in her role, right? Sharice was a phenomenal designer. Um, I've gotten to see that firsthand, especially as she's she directs all of our our design team and the different projects that we have at Seed. But um, I've gotten to flip through her portfolio a little bit, too, and hear about some of the products she's made at, at Nike um, in her past career. I think like part of the culture that's been amazing of a lot of the people in the industry 
that have been partners and supporters um, of kind of the same ambitions we have, right? Like Dwayne Edwards was a mentor to Sharice. Um, he immediately became a mentor to me as I started my recruiting role. And I was like, I heard his name and was like, I want to go talk to him. And he made so much time for me. And I, I want to bring that up. But when I think about us as educators as well, because um, the culture with, with people like Dwayne, um, and especially for people who are ambitious about bringing in um, talent that's that's not seen in the industry right now or voices that are not heard in the industry right now, is like, it's our job to teach. And I, I do believe that like every single human has a little bit of teacher in them um, in some capacity. How how you'll go ahead and, and share that with the world might might vary. Um I think for me, I've always felt I was a teacher and a coach. I actually think that I teach less um, in my current role um, now that I'm in education um, and I'm, I'm focused on more of the building and the connecting um, and allowing other experts to teach. But I see Charisse and like everything she learned in design, um, man, the way she can she can actually articulate it and show and share it with others is what's really beautiful. I'll tell you that Jessica Smith um, actually is an educator. Um, has taught at higher ed before um, as my manager in the past, probably the best leader I've ever worked for. And it was a lot because of the lessons she shared and, and the teaching she did as we moved together um, and all of the partners that we bring in. Like everybody is so excited about like our role in the next generation's lives and like in the future of this industry and, and design opportunities. Um, it's like teaching is that's every day. We didn't even have to think about, I don't think becoming educators. It was like, okay, we have a place for this stuff that's in our hearts and souls now to put it. So, um, yeah, that part's been really fun. Yeah. When you're, when you're teaching, you don't clock out. You live this 24-7. Even when there isn't a seed program, you're trying to find ways of, okay, Gen 1 happened a couple years ago. How do I make this upcoming class of a cohort of, of you know students even mm -hmm. better than the first time? And it's always oh, yeah. iteration. The time Sharice um, and I are spending, I've, I've, I don't even think our students yeah. currently or past maybe understand, but it's like we get off calls and we're like, okay, we could have done this better that this one sounded like it resonated right. that didn't. Okay. We turn, you know, a, a big a part of our teaching style actually is we don't want to give anybody the answers. We don't have a roadmap to show you to follow, but we have a <laughs> huge, huge, huge bag of resources and tools. And so our, our method is like, we're going to show you every single tool we know. We're going to connect you to every person we know. We're going to like share every resource we have. And then it's up to you to do the work to figure out who who are you what is your identity what do you need where do you thrive where do you need assistance or or another way of going about something um and we show you that bag to use so there's so many times where i think we'll get the we'll see the frustration face of like hey what do i do next or like well what do you think you should do next which which tools have you explored so far which which tools have you not yet like mm -hmm. and and trying to equip the students to to go after it themselves i think i think that piece is um it's is the beautiful part and i think it's why um, yeah. the students are going to be so successful and have already been so successful. Um, but it's the part that I think like we we can't stop thinking about the betterment of the students and the betterment of the program like that is in our blood 24-7. Exactly. 
but that really is the transition from childhood to adulthood, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you're in school, you're checking boxes. Let's be honest, right? You know that you're either going to get an A, a B or C, and you've already negotiated in your head what you're willing to to get, right? If you want to (laughs) see, I'm just going to do this assignment and that assignment, everything else I don't care about because I'm going to get a C. The bare minimum. But that's Mm -hmm. not real life. Nope. It's not. And I talk to Liz all the time. I'm like, we can't create it. We can't create a false reality for our students in this program because two years later, they're going to be part of a brand. They may have a great manager. They may have a bad manager, but they're still expected to perform and do their job. Right. Yep. So we have to equip them and give them the skills to be able to be successful, regardless of who or what type of leader they have. And that's been my biggest experience. I've had great leaders and bad ones. But mm-hmm. I couldn't blame, you know, my leader on the fact that I didn't do a good job on my project yeah, or the, right. the assignment that I have. Right. And then you're out the door. Yeah. We don't want that to happen to them, which is to Liz's point, why we're not saying check these boxes and you'll be mm-hmm. successful because that's not reality and that's not real. No, that's what you think is life is like because school was that way. Right. Yeah. And we have to be that bridge from everything that they've currently learned within traditional school to, to chart that course into the industry so that they're prepared. Right. Um, and that's a frustrating process for them. Of course, right. Yeah. You're, you're coming out of a system, you know, that was relatively easy for you. You didn't really have to use that second layer of your brain, the, the inner core to really no. problem solve. Right. And now they have to, Um, And it's tough. It's not easy at all. But the learning process isn't easy. Right. But you just have to show up every day, give it all that you have and then reflect, take take what you learned the previous day and like build upon it and keep and keep going, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I love how what you're doing, Mm -hmm. essentially what you're doing is you're humanizing education. Uh, I think I think Liz said it previously in a uh, she had said that. um, education is super standard right like there is no it's not a uh, intimate for one specific student um and so what you're doing is you're you're selecting a small group of, of students to be in this intimate space to learn one-on-one from these leaders and that is what the future of education should be it should be humanizing it um because not every student learns the same way right like i think I have this really rough idea that I probably suffer from a couple of things like ADHD and a bunch of other things that I've never been diagnosed. Who knows? But I can tell you that I was always distracted when I was a student, right? And so the 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 uh, the kind of vanilla way of how education is is the very standard, the very cookie cutter way. It just didn't work for me, right? And it, I'm sure it didn't work for a lot of people. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's unfortunate because we tend to accept more students in, you know, because of business related reasons or because we're monetizing education, right? Um, so I think what you're doing is great. Um, I would love to dive into this upcoming cohort. So what are you looking for in a student who's like, I want to be in a footwear designer. I want to be Sharice when I... You know, after seed program, I want to be this designer. Um, what are you looking for? And what is your process of um, accepting someone into the seed program? 
Yeah, um, I can kick that part off. Um, so I, I actually lead the application um, and recruitment interview process for the entire thing of seed. So anybody who's applying, it's my eyes who are seeing it. Um, anyone who's interviewing, um, you'll be reached out to by me. Um, the interview will be with me. Uh, you know, you talked about humanizing education and it's it's really tough to do to be honest is like i said like the the systems that are built have all been pretty flawed i will say that to me the recruitment process and interview process are some of the most flawed systems you ask most recruiters they're going to tell you like this system is really terrible for them um it's really hard for them uh and and you know from from a candidate experience it's really hard to go through <laughs> putting yourself out there like taking the time and energy to apply to something that maybe you'll hear back from maybe you won't um interviewing with someone where you're like okay what box do they need me to fit into so they can check me off or not and like i think especially in underrepresented communities um that that system is designed again in so many ways um for a homogenous type of person that it's been built for so it's like you're it's really hard to be yourself um, and to show up as like, this is who I am. Take me or leave me because everything's already been built and taught you that it's working against you. So I share that to say that, again, try to do the opposite. We really try to humanize the process. Um, I I try to give feedback to every applicant. Uh, if I can't give specific individual feedback, I, I at least share some generalized tips that are relevant to you for sure if you, if I didn't move your application forward um, and some practices that you can uh, work on to maybe apply again or or pursue something else or a different lane right um, so the, the application process itself so it's open right now it closes on February 13th um, the application consists of providing your contact info so I know how to reach you um, your name so I know what to call you and then I list some qualifications for the program, which is uh, currently to be over 18 years of age by the time the program starts in July 2022, um, that you're a BIPOC woman. Uh, you're eligible to and authorized to work in the U.S. Um, we don't have visa sponsorships uh, right now uh, for SEED. And then um, that you're interested in pursuing a career in footwear design. That's the only requirements. I don't want to see a portfolio of your work. I don't need a resume. Um, those are old systems. Those are systems that were structured to to like keep on the path that higher ed and, and corporate companies and all of these other spaces have already created that, that we believe are flawed. So that's the only information we're asking for. And then we ask for three parts. One, send an intro video just so we can get a sense of like who you are, what you would say about yourself. So, uh, it's mostly about understanding like what, what parts of you do you value and are you excited to share with us? Um, so we can get a sense of your identity. Um, what, what makes you authentically and uniquely you. Um, part two is draw a sneaker that doesn't exist yet. Um, this is our way of trying to see like, how does your design brain work? Like what, what problems are you trying to solve in your design? Like what, what colors do you use? What is the purpose of a sneaker? Like how out of the box is it? Are you like someone who thought of something really practical, but it's different. We haven't seen it before. Are you someone who like, you know, uh, designed a world where the shoes can actually make us fly or something a little bit more out there? 
um, just to really get a sense of like, how does your brain work? How do you, how do you identify a problem and then tackle it through solutions? And then like your ability to visualize an idea, right? So that's a, that's a key component to design in our world is, um, there's so often you're not going to get to speak to your ideas at all. So are you able to visualize them well? Um, and then, and then I would say the, and then the last part is tell us what makes you a creator. So whatever medium that you prefer, if it's a video, sorry about that. Um, New York city out here. Um, so if it's a video, I've gotten poems, essays, collages. Some people have included links to their portfolio. They're really proud of uh, a mix of a bunch of them. Um, but it's a place to show like, like if you're, if you're applying to see, you think you're a creator, what makes you a creator? It's probably not just your ability to sketch a shoe. Like there's probably a million other things. We want to see it all. That's the stuff we value. I think the thing that's really important in the recruiting process, that's really hard. Um, and we try, I try to, I put my cell phone number on everything. Literally it's on the application even. So I encourage, um, the BIPOC women applying to the program, like text me, call me. Like, I'm not trying to hide anything. I will tell you what's up. Like I'll help clarify your questions. Um, I'm going to pose a lot of questions back to you to help you think but all that we care about seeing is like who are you what makes you uniquely you because like the only job we have in hiring at seed is to make sure that we're hiring a creator that we don't already have um so like what are you going to bring to the table that's different i think if we so that's like number one if you if you can't do that in the application it's going to be tough to move forward and that would be like my feedback to everybody is like different ways to work on that right number two is when you get to the program, Shri said it, it's like leadership and design. It's not one or the other. So if you're, if you can draw the best renders in the world and you can design all of this, but you're not able to work in a team, you don't communicate that well, um, with others, you haven't found a, a channel of communication that does work for you. Um, though, those are things that we're like, okay, the distance to being ready is greater. And so what we're looking at and evaluating for is like, we want high potential talent, which most applicants are going to have. Um, but then we want to see that you're at a, uh, you can operate at a level and a pace that will allow you to be entering an entry level role in under in two years, kind of under two years, because we start that process early. So the rest of the interview process past application is actually um, me teaching. So I interview with people, I get to know them, I get to learn about what makes them unique. I show them how we go through the design thinking process. I talk to them about like their application, some feedback that I would give them on how to do it differently as I get to know it. And then all I'm looking for from there is what did you do with that feedback? Um, I'm not looking for what you come in with. I'm looking for what do you do with that feedback? How did you adjust? Were you able to apply it? And then at what speed were you able to do so? Cause that's going to be an indicator of uh, your ability to be successful within the framework of our program. And I'm going to also just note to you, cause I, we talked a lot about the flaws of university educations. I've met so many people that man, that space worked great for them. Sharice is one of them. Um, I have a few other friends where like school is their thing. They're some of the smartest people I know, like universities serve them. I don't want to cross that lane out. Um, but I want to serve the people that it wasn't great for as well. And so I think what we have to be really careful with in the application process and the recruitment process of seed is like, not just, are you a fantastic talent that we believe in, but are you a fantastic talent that we believe in? And this is the right process 
program and style of learning for you. Um, and I'll tell you, and I think there's a lot of people um, who've gone through our recruiting process that could could probably uh, say the same. If we're not right for you, that's okay. Our goal is still to get you in the industry. So who can we connect you to? Like what, what other pathway can we show you? How do we make sure that we're still on your team? Because um, the mission is the mission, right? Um, Seed's just one of the pathways to the mission. Exactly. That was amazingly said, Liz. Um, and then I'll also add just motivation, you know, um, and I always think about, hey, is, is motivation something that just only has to be intrinsic or can it be external motivation, right? What pushes people forward? What's someone's why? And I think that's what we're also looking for. We want to hear, you know, what's your why behind, you know, wanting to be a part of our our program. Right. And, and it is a, it's a two year commitment. Right. And it's going to be a fast pace and there's going to be days where it's not fun. And it's a, it's a haul and a drag and all those things. Right. But if you're very clear on your why, like we are, Liz and I are very clear as to why we wake up and do this every day. Right. And it makes the tough days not so tough because we know why we're doing it. So I would also say that to those of you who want to apply and be a part of the program, just be very clear about why you want to be a footwear designer. Right. And it can't just be about the swag. Right. And getting free product. It can't be about that. Right. (laughs) It has to be bigger. You have to have a deeper why. And I think it really has to be about you know, what do you want to accomplish um, career wise? And it's not just about the brand. It is your entire career. You know, who do you want to influence? Who do you want to impact? You know, just think bigger. And, and, you know, that's what we would also love to hear just to know someone's why and their motivation for wanting to do this. You know, shoes is probably the most, probably, you know, whenever earth blows up and we all die in thousands of years and someone writes a book about the history of humans, I think shoes is going to be part of chapter one because it's this, there's 8 billion humans on earth and we yeah, all have a like pair of shoes. Some of us <laughs> yeah. have 10, 12 pairs. So it's the most, <laughs> uh, it's the most used object in the world. I think we yeah. forget that. And also it's the most, it's the object that is used by a variety and diversity of right. humans, tall, different sizes, you know, different widths, et cetera. Like it's, it's the most versatile thing in the world. Um, it's also used by a bunch of athletes. Like it's catered to so many demographics. Um, and we forget it's, it's global, right? So you think of yeah. shoes and this goes way back to like the, Greeks and the Romans who used shoes and you know that's part of history right like it's in museums and footwear absolutely um and it's passed down you know it's a a prototype that changes hands Mm -hmm. often it's sold and resold and you know given away and thrifted and you know and then you think of you think of the footwear industry and then you're like this shoe is the the footwear the shoe it's the actual object itself is pretty legendary but then you look at the actual industry and what it's made up. It's made up of a group of just white dudes. And you're like, that doesn't make sense. Like there is no, how does that make sense? You know, like, um, so I'm really happy that what you are doing is just so disruptive. Um, it's necessary, you know, um, and uh, it's super inspiring to, to uh, insp- hopefully inspires other people and other organizations to do this. Because I think the more um, programs exist like this, 
which is going to be good and healthy for competition. That means that it's going to push us to innovate even better, to make our programs even better because now other people are doing it. Yeah, that's the hope. Like, and I, I think that's been the cool thing, Hector, is like, um, yeah, it, it is kind of wild sometimes how homogenous the, the industry is, but, um, man, it's so exciting. The people who have jumped on board, like, like seed, you know, you're talking to Sharice and I, we've mentioned Jessica a ton, Mark Dolce and Dennis Dekovic, like standing up as leaders in the Adidas organization to, to advocate for this happening. Um, several others across the brand as well. Jason Maiden, DJ Clark Kent, Angela Medlin, um, Dwayne Edwards jumping on being like, we're in, we'll put our names on this. Like, let's go when, when it was just an idea. Um, and then so many other partners, like the, the, amount of people who like organically yourself even like reach out and are like I see what you guys are doing how can we be supportive how can we help um I feel like I'm on calls every day with different people who want to be a part of it and want it to grow and and that's been really like one of the most beautiful aspects I think of this program in this community um and and that's the thing that we tell our students we tell our candidates we say to each other every day like it's it's not something we're going to do on our own it it really does take like a, a whole team um and and we're blessed that the design community the sneaker industry and the sneaker community, um, have been really amazing. Um, so like when I, you know, there's the voices out there, like we hear the haters every once in a while, but like, man, they're, um, they're nothing in comparison to the supporters and, and the volume that the supporters are speaking at. And, and that's who we're going to continue to give the mic to and, and, um, the energy that we're going to channel and keep bringing. It's really, really important. Um, I think to call out that, like, anybody who wants to partner with us, man, like I, w- I would love to see even competitor brands starting to reach out at least of like, we're doing something too. any tips, like we'll give them like, it's, it's my dream that others see what we're doing and try to do it even better. Cause like, great. We need, we need more opportunities. We need more pathways. We need different experiences for, for different people too. So yeah. Absolutely. And I think that leads to kind of the, the question that's going to wrap up this conversation is what are you both excited about? you know 2022 obviously there's a new cohort of students coming in um you already talked about your purpose and why you're doing it you know which is very powerful um but what 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 are you mostly looking forward to what do you want to accomplish in 2022 yeah i'd say for me aside from our students obviously i'm looking forward to growing our our leadership team you know, Liz and I have been holding it down for quite a while <laughs> on the day to day with with Jessica, you know, stretching in um, where she can. And I'm excited, you know, this year to start adding new new players to our leadership team. Right. So that we can start to balance out um, the students a bit, a bit more and get some more support there and then start to grow our partnerships. You know, um, there have been a few other organizations that have reached out and, and organizations that we've spoken with, whether we're going to do collaborations on products um, or initiatives or experiences. Those are our aspirations. We just haven't been able to get after it, you know, so I'm really looking forward to this year being able to, to bring in um, some help to be able to expand, you know, in the ways that we really want to, but we haven't been able to. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, super excited to grow our team. We actually, we were able to add someone um, to our contractor team uh, officially today. Uh, her name's Tamika Hall. She'll be joining us. We're really pumped about having her um, and continuing to look at building out our team. Um, I think that like outside of that, like the, the most exciting thing to me is that 
as much as we've done with Seed and as as proud um, I am of the work we've been able to do so far and the ways we've been able to support the system and, and do this new thing, we haven't even touched what we're capable of. So like I talk about the high potential of the students, man, the high potential of this program, like we haven't even scratched the surface. And I think because we're, we're getting um, more resourcing to be able to build out our team and continue to stay aligned to our mission, like like where we can go from here is truly going to be incredible. And that, that is by far um, the part I'm most excited about is really getting to that work. Seed is just getting started. So I'm super excited to like, just watch, you know, from, from the sidelines and support as much as possible. And uh, for those who are listening, if you're interested in footwear, uh, we're going to link all the information underneath this podcast um, and you're going to see a lot of information on our Instagram as well as we continue to support Seed. So um, very excited to have you both on to talk about your passions and why what you're doing is is very powerful for our community. Amazing. Thank you so much, Hector. Yeah, thanks, Hector. And as you know, like we love what you're doing as well and um, our big supporters and, and here to keep amplifying your message and your pathway as well. So thank you. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Let's continue this conversation on our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Discord. You can find us at Context with Advanced Design on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Context is produced by Advanced Design with editing and production by Bitwell Benitez and music by Shai Day from Pixabay.